This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. It is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Michelle Smallman alongside Jeff Turn. For the next four hours, we have a lot to get to, a lot happening in the world of sports. We're going to talk to our ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks. We're going to talk to our ESPN NFL front office insider, Mike Tannenbaum. Chris Carlin, the host of Canty and Carlin, is going to pop on with us for a good discussion. And Ice Cube, rapper, actor, and Big Three founder, is going to join us as well. Jeff, great to see you again, my friend how you doing i'm gonna have to say today was a good day we get to hang out with ice cube um i don't think he realizes the scope of his music to the fullest extent when there were people like myself jamming to it in the mid to late 90s early 2000s on the rough streets of south dakota so uh, i'm super excited to ask him if he knew at the time how many people were actually listening to his music but uh very excited for that and much more should be a fun one Absolutely. Well, the clock is ticking down, Jeff. Six o'clock Eastern is the deadline in the NBA for players to opt in or opt out. The most notable on that list is, of course, James Harden. We're going to get to a lot of NBA talk today, but we want to start there with James Harden. There's a lot of ways, Jeff, that this could play out. But let's just start first with the most basic of questions. Do you think James Harden will opt in or opt out? Wow. Um, I think he probably opts out and probably still ends up back with the same team that he opted out of. And I think that's for a little bit of flexibility for the 76ers, probably a little bit of flexibility for himself, and they can figure out a way to structure a contract where James gets a lot of money for the next year or two, and then he has flexibility to go back out into the marketplace if the 76ers situation doesn't work out. I'd imagine it's at least two years based on the fact that the 76ers want some sort of backup plan if it all blows up. They can have an expiring contract that they can trade away, get some assets back. Considering what they had to give up to get James, I just feel like if if he opted out and he left and he went to another team, they're left empty-handed after they gave up stuff to get him. So I think it's a little bit more complex than just saying opt-in, opt-out, meaning he's going to be a 76er. Mm -hmm. But the relationship with Daryl Morey accompanied with the fact that they were literally one game away from getting the Eastern Conference Finals, and I believe that they would have probably beat the Miami Heat. Uh, I, I just feel like there is more reason for them to run that back and try to get some pieces on the outside. Like we heard, you know, we heard Rob Palenka say this about the Lakers. They want to find some spots in the margins, figure out some things to make them better. They feel like making the Western Conference Finals was a step in the right direction that gives them an opportunity to go to the NBA Finals this year. I feel like the 76ers making the move to get Nick Nurse, you know, restructuring the deal with Harden to an extent, maybe finding another piece or two, and probably trading away Tobias Harris gives them sort of a fresh start, but they also have the confidence that they made it to the to the semis and had one game to win to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think he's back. It's a long-winded answer, but I think he's back in Philly, but he probably opts out of the deal before 6 o'clock Eastern tonight. So Jeff thinks he's going to opt out. I do too. Harden is expected to decline that $35.6 million player that, option. Wait a second, Michelle. Isn't that absolutely bat bleeping crazy? Yes. That in today's world, yes. uh, no thanks to $35 million, I can get more. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm going to roll the dice here and just decline $35.6 million in hopes of landing a new deal and seeing what I can extract from either my current team or another team. Must be a pretty good position to be in, Jeff. Absolutely. The NBA world <laughs> is handing out money like they're literally printing it in the basement. So the fact that Harden in a guy that isn't in his prime can garner that kind of money. And I know we're going to get to Kyrie in a little bit, but they're talking 50 million a year for a guy that has been nothing but a headache to everyone that has employed him over the last five years. 
he is going to get $50 million a year. It just shows how much money they're making right now and the desirability for all-stars to try to at least gives you a puncher's chance, get in a series, have a chance to win. That's what the, the mindset is of these executives, but it costs a lot to do it. It does. So Harden is expected to decline that $35.6 million player option and become a free agent. That's what we're anticipating. But is it a done deal? Here's our ESPN senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski. You know, the scenario with which you would opt into that deal, I think would largely be because you have real concerns about where the Sixers might land on the kind of offer you want to get from them, the kind of years and uh, money. I think the issue for Harden in negotiations, probably similar to Kyrie Irving, it may not be so much getting close to the max number annually. It's how many years are they going to guarantee you? And so uh, that's, I think, part of the thought process with James Harden today. It is not a foregone conclusion that he declines the option and becomes a free agent. So Jeff Woj saying not a a foregone conclusion that he declines it. If Harden does return to Philly, what do you think the ceiling is for this team? There's a lot of talent there, a lot of their future hinging on Harden's decision today. But what do you think about their chances moving forward if Harden is still in the fold? Two words, and one of them is obviously an acronym, but NBA Finals. I I feel like this team had all the pieces a year ago to get there, and I thought that they were going to close it out in Game 6, You know, get rid of the demons of the past, and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I just didn't feel that the matchup with the Celtics was as, I mean, at least for the Heat's perspective, um, you know, as as difficult as it would have been against Joel Embiid and, you know, the, the 76ers. I feel like the Nuggets were a lot more similarly constructed to what the 76ers were from having the big guy, causing problems to Bam, you know, being able to defend the three a little bit better. I, I just felt like the 76ers would have been a tougher matchup for Miami. And so I, I think as they look around the landscape in Milwaukee, you have a new head coach uh, up in the air about Chris Middleton's future, Brooke Lopez's future there in Milwaukee. Miami clearly is missing one other star to be able to beat a team like Denver. And I think some people felt like the ball bounced the right way with regards to the injury to Giannis and then taking on the Knicks and having sort of a path to the finals. Plus, the Celtics just have not been able to get over that hump and win a championship, and it just feels like that thing isn't 100% cohesive. And I think if you look around the rest of the Eastern Conference, no other team screams, I'm going to win the NBA Finals. And so I feel like the 76ers, with getting Nick Nurse and bringing back Harden and, and trading Tobias Harris for a piece that fits maybe a little bit more to what they're doing, gives them a chance to make the NBA Finals. See, and I'm on the totally other end of that spectrum where I look at James Harden and I just can't trust him. He's the type of player that you know he's got the skill set. It is there, but he's feast or famine. The pendulum swings both ways. You're either... putting up all the numbers, hitting the game-winning shots, or or there's times, especially in the playoffs, Jeff, where he'll disappear completely. So even though I know that they have the skill in place to get it done, I just don't know if I can trust Harden to consistently be that guy. Yeah, the the reason that they wouldn't make the NBA Finals is because of what you you said there exactly, is that there are those games that you can't have Harden disappear. And I think anybody that watches the 76ers would agree with you that those are the games that are killer when it comes to Philadelphia reaching their ceiling and I'm not saying that I all of a sudden believe that's going to happen but I think with a new head coach who demands a little bit more out of you like Nick Nurse does than Doc Rivers I feel like that could be the missing piece I don't always think coaching changes things but in this case I think it's a big boost for what Philadelphia is trying to accomplish so I'm I'm all in on the Nick Nurse hire and I think 
that gives Harden um, the, the, the coaching he needs to not have those disappearing acts in the postseason. At least I would hope so if I'm a Philadelphia 76ers fan. He's Jeff Turn. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, the clock ticking down. Six o'clock Eastern is the deadline for players to opt in or opt out in the NBA. We'll keep you updated on James Harden's future. But Jeff, another player in the NBA as we survey the landscape whose future is in question is Kyrie Irving. Ramona Shelburne, our ESPN NBA senior writer, was on NBA Today and gave us an update on what Kyrie's thinking. Well, how do you get a max contract? You create leverage. And from what I'm told, with sources close to this situation, he intends to take meetings when free agency opens. Widely held expectations that he returns to Dallas. But what that contract looks like and what happens with, with these meetings that he intends to take when free agency opens is going to be very interesting. Now, what's important to Kyrie Irving? From what I'm told, he wants to find a place where he can spend the rest of his career, a place that feels like home. Hmm. And that's a, that's an interesting thing for a guy like Kyrie who's approaching a free agency where it's not really a lock for him to get that five-year max that the Dallas Mavericks are in position to give him. Jeff, a lot to unpack there from what Ramona just laid out about Kyrie's thought process here. So he's going to take meetings. We know Dallas is going to be in that fold. Bleacher Report and TNT's Chris Haynes reported that the Suns are expected to meet with star point guard Kyrie Irving when NBA free agency begins on Friday. So Kyrie's certainly taking meetings. He's assessing his future, and he wants to find a team that he can finish his career with. I mean, all of that sounds like Kyrie says that today, but tomorrow it may be different. I mean... <laughs> There's so much there to go over. First of all, I am flabbergasted that the Suns would even meet with Kyrie Irving because when it ended in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, it did not look good. And remember when they played each other, they didn't even look at each other in that game where the Suns took on the Dallas Mavericks. It felt like as cold as ice. And so I, I just feel that to me was never going to be a reunion. And the fact that they're even meeting tells you that Kevin Durant probably signed off on that meeting because it feels like... That ownership group there is literally all in on those three and any pieces that come in, they don't want to upset the apple cart. And that apple cart includes a big, big, I think, presence from Kevin Durant on decision-making. Now, as far as Kyrie wanting to land someplace for the rest of his career, he sounded like that when he was in Boston, man. Like, I I don't buy any of that from Kyrie. Kyrie's <laughs> going to tell you what's good for Kyrie today. Mm-hmm. That guy is is all about Kyrie. And so I, at no point would I, you know, you talk about trusting Harden, I trust Harden a lot more than I trust Kyrie mm-hmm. uh, from a from a trust standpoint on the court and off the court, and so I I would I would be very skeptical if I'm the Suns that that would work. Plus, you know, Ramona talked about building leverage. The other GMs understand the limited marketplace that is out there for Kyrie Irving and what he can get financially. So, is it true leverage or is it sort of a facade? Is it is it you know smoke and mirrors? Uh, you can meet with whoever he wants. I know the guys this morning on get up we're talking about Kyrie just wanting to be uh, wanted and so he's going to meet with these people he's going to wine and dine he's going to get everybody to tell him that he loves him you know you can be different here and he probably will end up back in Dallas considering the finances that are involved in all of it the Kyrie situation is so complicated Jeff it's so interesting to me because from a pure basketball standpoint I understand the allure. I understand that you're looking at the numbers. You're looking at the handle. You are saying this basketball player will make my team better. 
But then you fold in Kyrie Irving, the person, which is a much more complicated conversation. And we see how it's worked out basically everywhere else outside of Cleveland with LeBron. And it has never ended well. And if I am a front office member of any team, that is not a risk that I want to take. But then I look at the basketball side of it and I'm like, Maybe we can make it different here. Maybe it right. can work out. I right. don't know, but the Phoenix Suns specifically, I don't know how they would make it work from a contract standpoint with the CBA. Maybe they get him via sign and trade or a basketball standpoint. I don't really know how they would make it work. It's a head scratcher to me that Phoenix would even be in the conversation there. I agree with you on that. And I think, you know, there's been a handful of players over the years that are really dominant on the floor and then ding dongs off of it. Kyrie obviously is on the Mount Rushmore of that, along with guys maybe like a Dennis Rodman or somebody. But at least you could trust, like when Rodman got on the floor, Rodman always was was about that business, and he was going to get you the rebounds, and he was going to do everything to win. And there's even like some of that with Kyrie, where you're like, I don't know, man, like he doesn't get back on defense sometimes, and it just that that part, the the, the skill is unmatched from a handle standpoint, as you talked about, and at that position. But man, I I just. If I'm the Suns, that's not what I'm throwing in. They need depth. They need to trade DeAndre Ayton for a bunch of role pieces, or they need to get a bunch of veterans on the vet minimum to come in, not pay a bunch of money, and then get the luxury tax slapped all over you for a boatload of money for Kyrie (laughs) Irving. That's not what I would do. Well, speaking of the Suns, Bradley Beal, the newest acquisition in Phoenix, he had his introductory press conference today, and life is a lot different for him now, Jeff. After being in Washington for so long, he joins a Phoenix Suns team with a lot of star power, a lot of expectations, and he spoke about that today, about being on a team now that's directly in the spotlight. Oh, it's huge. You know, I think one of the biggest things we take for granted as players is, you know, uh, who's around you, you know, the players around you and what they bring to the table every single day. And uh, it's not easy to win in this league, and I think that's what a lot of people get kind of misconstrued. No matter how much talent you have, you still have to make it work. You have to still put in the work and, uh, and go get the job done. But I'm, I'm super ecstatic that every single day I have a chance to play in a meaningful game. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest you know, decisions that impacted me of coming here, of knowing that every single night I'm going to be in an important game. Every single night I may have a chance of being on television. Every single night, you know, teams are going to give us their best. You know? So I look forward to that challenge um, and also being in a position to where we're kind of a targeted team you know so every single night i gotta lay some up jeff turn michelle smallman canty and carlin here on espn radio jeff i love that bradley beal is getting this opportunity i appreciate his loyalty and his affection for the washington wizards and for that community he was patient he gave them the time and the runway to build a winner around him it didn't happen and i love that a player of his caliber is getting to go to a team now with a legitimate chance of winning an nba title I used to be the number one Washington Wizards fan in South Dakota, and I was always hoping <laughs> that John Wall and Bradley Beal would bring them to an NBA Finals. Uh, I eventually had to jump off that bandwagon to another one called the LeBron bandwagon and follow uh, him around to championships. But that's a secure I, I, bandwagon. I'm I'm a bandwagon driver. We were talking about this yesterday. Like I I I run over the loyal fans with my bandwagon. Uh, but I I do love Bradley Beal and what he went through in Washington. I think. It just has to be so refreshing for him to, to walk into a gym this fall and look around and see all that talent. And as he mentioned, the Wizards were never on TV. Like I had to have the NBA package at a very early age to watch Wizards games. And now he's going to be on TV so often. TNT, ESPN, NBA TV, be everywhere. And that's got to be refreshing for a guy that put in a lot of tough nights in Washington. 
So Bradley Beal's a St. Louis guy. I'm a St. Louis girl. So obviously we have that connection and I will cheer for him. But he is just such a likable player. He's one of those people, even if he wasn't from the same town as me, that I would want to cheer for. He's kind of like, I, I feel the same way about Jimmy Butler. You just love that grit. You love that attitude. There's just certain players that you want to see win. And Bradley Beal's on that list for who's me. More, who's more loved in St. Louis? Is it Bradley Beal or Jason Tatum? So they're kind of, as Tony LaRusso would say, tied for first. You know, they, they both are, are sons of the city. They went to the same high school. But I think Jason Tatum holds a, a tad bit more star power. And that's probably because of the postseason success he's had and sure. where he went in the draft. So, but I think that people in St. Louis definitely cheering for Bradley Beal as well. But maybe now that he's on Phoenix, he, he can circle, uh, or eclipse, I guess, a little play on the Suns there. He can eclipse Jason Tatum's St. Louis stardom. I don't know. We'll see. But Jeff, I really want to dive in really quickly to your bandwagon jumping because I didn't know this about you. What bandwagons are you on currently? So listen, I I started my fandomonium as a child being a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Atlanta Braves, uh, the Miami Hurricanes, uh, Chicago Blackhawks. And um, the Washington Wizards, those are like the five, and the Michigan Wolverines, like all, and a lot of those teams won championships. That's why I started liking them. Yeah, yeah. And since then, I'm still a Michigan Wolverines fan, still Atlanta Braves fan, still Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But now I'm a LeBron fan. Everywhere he goes, I've been a fan of that team. I'm still a Blackhawks fan, still a Miami Hurricanes fan. But but I have no problem having a second and a third favorite team when my team's not doing well. So like in baseball. I love the Yankees, okay? Because usually if the Braves aren't doing well, the Yankees probably are, okay? Uh, Tom Brady is the one I followed around. I just I, I cheered for the Patriots, even though they were in the AFC against the Steelers. Every time the Steelers <laughs> would get knocked out, I had Tom to take me to the promised land so I could say I'm cheering for a Super Bowl winner. And, and it's more so a philosophy that the organizations don't give a damn about you. Why should I give a damn about them? And teams find themselves you know marred in mediocrity or lack of success for decades yeah and and we don't live long enough to have to cheer for losers so you know i couldn't imagine being you know 65 years old and celebrating a cubs world series when they finally won like that sounds miserable to me um i would have been a fan of so many other teams since then that i would have enjoyed watching sports instead of dreading every time my team disappointed me throughout the year so Jeff Turn has the sweet life of sports. You just follow. There's just who, no the reason. Listen, the top of the, Michelle, the, top of the charts. On, like, in what other aspect of life do we act like that? If a if, if any other place disappoints, we just move on to the next thing. <laughs> we 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 just move on. But in sports, we just beat our heads against the wall for for decades because somebody ingrained in our lives early on that we need to be loyal to these teams. And I just I've never bought into it. That is true, but I will tell you this. I've had it on both ends of the spectrum. I've watched the St. Louis Cardinals win championships, a storied franchise Been great. Yeah. that has a lot of success. And then the St. Louis Blues, who had never won in over 50 years, they finally get it done. That's much sweeter. When you go through the heartbreak yeah, and so. the agony, and then you finally get it, it's that much sweeter. Take the my word for it, The 1995 World Series for the Braves doesn't feel any more important to me than LeBron winning in Miami or uh, the Steelers winning multiple Super. They don't feel any different to me. I mean, I'm, I'm probably dead inside, but I just I <laughs> I don't have any different feelings from those things. And the Braves had to. I mean, they lost a bunch. And that '91 World Series, I hated Kirby Puckett and cried as a child. But the '95 success did not change my opinion. He's Jeff Turn. He's dead inside. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, it's our ESPN Radio Rankum. I'm going to give you the top five NFL rookies that we're going to be talking about this season. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. So badly want to bring Super Bowl here to Buffalo. Herbert rolling right, throws, touchdown! To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank Them, the top five rookies. He's Jeff Turn. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And I'm going to give out ways you can get in touch with us because after I give this list, Jeff, there is no doubt that people are going to want to pick a bone with me and with my list of the top five NFL rookies we're going to be talking about this season. You can tweet us at M. Smallman. You can find Jeff at JTESPN, or you can always join the conversation via our Canty and Carlin call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Jeff, I was tasked with putting together a list of the top five NFL rookies, and there's a lot of different ways you can examine that task. Who do I think will be the rookie of the year? Who am I looking forward to seeing? But I kind of just looked at it as guys I know we're going to be talking about this season. Guys that are going to make an impact and that are going to be in the headlines. Is that is that fair? You think that's a good way to approach that? Absolutely, yeah. And I think also with that, we can just ace out offensive linemen, um, probably <laughs> yeah. defensive tackles, um, maybe some some linebackers. So we're going to be skill players, I'm guessing, most of these names. Okay, well, let's get to it. 
Number, number five. five. There we go. I knew that there was a sound there. I was about to do my deep voice. Number five. Coming in at number five for me, Jeff, is Bijan Robinson. I can't wait to watch this guy at the pro level. He's arguably the most pro-ready running back. I think he's in a great situation. It's a run-heavy offense in Atlanta. I think Arthur Smith is going to really use him. He's an offensive weapon, and I think he's going to bring a completely different complexity to this Falcons offense. We're going to be talking a lot about him this year, so Bijan Robinson, my number five. And I think another reason you're going to hear a lot about him is from a fantasy perspective. Jameer Gibbs is another one with the Lions that I think a lot of people will be talking about as well. And it's so funny that in the offseason, we're discussing how running backs are, are not getting maybe the money that they want. Some call it undervalued. Some say they're valued appropriately with what their their spot is within their prime. But we had a couple of running backs go there in the first round and a couple of guys that teams were willing to take early with the hopes of having huge impacts. And again, the, the fact that they're on rookie deals and they save money on a position that they will not pay somebody when they're in the sixth, seventh, eighth year is also important in that conversation. But yeah, there was so much hype around Bijan Robinson coming into the draft. And now that he's with the Atlanta Falcons, it's going to be fun to see how they utilize him. Number four. Number four, Jeff, this is a guy that I had eyeballs on for a long time. I'm talking about Devin Witherspoon. I went to Illinois. This guy is an absolute beast, and I think he landed in the perfect spot in Seattle. He's already drawing high praise from Pete Carroll, um, who is comparing him to Troy Palomalu. You had Brock Heward, who said that he reminds him of Earl Thomas. This guy is physical. He's tough. He is joining an already tough secondary in Seattle, and I think we're going to talk about Devin, Devin Witherspoon a lot this share yeah perfect spot for where he's at um again you went with a non-wide receiver running back quarterback so that's a little bit interesting with that selection but i i think um th- they're gonna have to have a very big year defensively i think once again to make sure that they're in the playoff mix i think a lot of people think geno smith will take a step back last year was an anomaly but uh when you add a talent like that and you're getting the high praise of of being mentioned in the same sentence as troy palomalo certainly somebody to watch number three I'm going to continue to surprise you, Jeff, what? because coming in at number three, Will Anderson Jr. I no. love this fit. Again, no. yes, yes. This is arguably the top-rated prospect in the draft. The Texans jumping up to number three to get him. I love his effort. I love his energy. I think that a lot of this for, for me was about fit and guys I think that are going to translate quickly to the league. I love that he's with D'Amico Ryans, who's already giving him high praise so far and what he's seen with him. And I think that this is a, a Texans team that had a lot of defensive issues. Houston finished 29th in total defense. They allowed 379.5 yards per game. The run defense was the worst in the league. And Anderson's going to help remedy a lot of those issues. He's going to make an impact immediately. I don't know if you have C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young on this list or who else you have, but uh, we're down to just two more names, and you have not mentioned a quarterback to this point, and you haven't mentioned a wide receiver, so I'm a little bit uh, perplexed as to uh, what the number one and twos will be, but no way am I putting Will Anderson Jr. on my list. There are too many other players that I'm excited about watching of this rookie class. Number two. Well, let's talk about a quarterback. It's about time. Number two, Anthony Richardson. What? Anthony Richardson is my number two. He's the first Colts quarterback since Andrew Luck that feels like he can really transform the franchise. Last year was so weird for them. They were the favorites in the AFC South entering the season, and they made a lot of headlines, but not really headlines that you would hope for if you're a Colts fan, but I think that's going to change this year. The athleticism from Anthony Richardson is off the charts. Ursay said he's going to start this season. I think that's going to shine through, and we're going to be talking about him a lot this year. 
If there is a quarterback that is going to be a bust from this class, you just named him right there. <laughs> what? Uh, I, See, I, no, I I'm a believer, Jeff. I'm, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm a skeptic of C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levitz, all above Anthony Richardson, in in my opinion, as far as a chance to have home runs in the NFL. Um, I, I just think this guy was a uh, scouting combine gem, but the film don't lie, and the film was not great at Florida when it came turning the football over. Uh, I am all in on the other three, not on him, and I can't believe you don't have the two guys. Come on, tell me Bryce Young is at number one. Number one. He is Bryce Young, number yes. one. <laughs> He's the number one overall pick in the draft. He's got the poise. He's got the resume. He's got the winning under his belt. And I just think that we are going to see all of that translate at the NFL level. He's been, again, a guy that's been getting high praise from his teammates, from his coaching staff so far. Everything that he's done from the second that he's been drafted number one overall has shown us that it seems like Carolina made the right pick with him. And I think he's going to help them win the division. So we're going to be talking about Bryce Young a lot this season. And, and he's such a leader, Jeff. I just think he is one of those guys that's tailor-made to be a quarterback in the NFL. It feels like you watch football back in the 90s. You had a, a <laughs> defensive back, a linebacker. Yeah. You went Diversity. With, Diversity you went of with, choice. You, you could have gone with one of four. How about Jackson Smith and Jigba? Quentin Johnson out there with the Chargers. Jordan Addison, I think, is going to have a huge year with the Vikings. Zay Flowers and all those weapons in Baltimore, I would have taken at least one of those. Uh, I'll give you one that's totally off the radar that I think within three years we're going to be talking about as a top five tight end in this league. Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State with the Green Bay Packers, third-round pick. I think he's going to be huge up there for them. And and I also really like Dalton Kincaid, who went to Buffalo, uh, another tight end out there. But no C.J. Stroud. I think he's going to have a big year with the Texans. And um, I don't think Will Levitz is going to play a lot this year, but I, I still I still like him better than Anthony Richardson. Well, Jeff has issues with my list. I'm sure you do, too. Coming up, we want to hear from you. Give your reaction to my top five rookie list. Let us know some rookies you think we're going to be talking about this season. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. More on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. As expected, people are mad. People are mad at me. I'm Michelle Smallman. He's Jeff Turn. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. The phone lines have lit up. You can call in if you want. If you want to yell at me, Canty and Carlin call in line 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Jeff, we're doing this ESPN radio rank throughout the week. And today I was told, put together a list of the top five NFL rookies. And I was like, for what? Uh, uh, of guys we think are going to make an immediate impact, guys that are going to be rookie of the year. What? And we could really take any lens that we wanted. So I chose top five NFL rookies that we're going to be talking about this season. And... 
Jeff, I know you have a lot of issues with my list, but let's just revisit it. Coming in at number five, I have B. John Robinson. Number four, Devin Witherspoon. Number three, Will Anderson. Number two, Anthony Richardson, which I know you had a problem with. And number one, Bryce Young. But before we get to some callers, because they are waiting there, the the phone lines are lighting up. Which one of these names on the list do you take the most umbrage with? Well, I just I don't think Anthony Richardson's going to play right away. I think that they'll start Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis to start the season. And I I believe that for two reasons. Number one, I think Gardner Minshew gives him a better chance to win early. He's obviously NFL ready. I don't think Anthony Richardson is. And I think that division is so wide open that by starting a rookie and if it gets off to a bad a bad start, you have no chance to make the playoffs. Um, I don't know that the Colts do anyways, but I just feel like that division, everybody wants to say Jacksonville has arrived. I want to see it a couple years in a row before I say that. Tennessee still does have Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill on that roster, and that defense has been solid. I also believe that they're going to be much improved because they have a capable quarterback in Houston. So I'm excited to see how that division plays out. But if I had to take exception to one, probably Will Anderson. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like you know linebackers, defensive ends, um, you know cornerbacks at least could pick off the ball and run it in for a touchdown i don't know devin witherspoon i I would put higher on my list than will anderson as guys i think we'll be talking about this year i can't believe you're you don't think we're going to be talking about anthony richardson ursay came out and said he's going to start you know what you have in gardner Minshew, right you know exactly what type of player he's going to be we've never seen a quarterback with the physical profile of anthony richardson they're drooling over the athleticism they're gonna want to throw him in there and we're going to be talking about him and i know that will in south carolina is on the phone lines and he has something to say about anthony richardson will welcome to canty and carlin Thank you, and I sure do have something to say. Anthony Richardson last year had two games where he threw for more than two touchdowns. That was a loss to Vanderbilt and a loss to Florida State. (laughs) He has proven absolutely nothing, and just because he's big and athletic doesn't mean he'll succeed. Jack's big and athletic. He wouldn't be a good NFL quarterback. (laughs) He is not proven. Jameer Gibbs will light it up. Will Anderson will light it up. Anthony Richardson's done nothing, and he'll do nothing. All we're going to talk about is how bad he is. He actively loses games, and you cannot even call him a game manager because that would be an insult to the likes of game managers like Colt McCoy. Terrible <laughs> take. Roll Tide. I, I, I lo- roll oh, Tide. Roll Tide. There I we go. every minute of that call. It's one of the better calls I've heard <laughs> in a long time on sports radio. And, I mean, I was just looking back at the numbers, too, in the break. Um, he, he completed 53% of his passes for a whopping average of seven yards per completion, seven touchdowns, nine picks. And the rushing, you know, had 700 yards, almost rushing, 103 attempts, nine touchdowns on the ground. That's what I think intrigues a lot of NFL folks is that he's got this big arm and he can run the football as well in sort of a different wave of schematics within the National Football League. But, man, Will, you are spot on, man, (laughs) spot on. Listen, guys, I know just 13 career college starts. I know he's going to need time to develop. And maybe I'm one of those people that just fell in love with him at the Combine, too. But I think the Colts are going to they're going to put him out there and we're going to be talking about him. Okay, maybe it won't be talking about him in a positive way, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to be talking about him. So he still fits my criteria. Technically, let's go to John in Virginia. John, what do you have to say? Yeah, goodness. Y'all definitely forgot about Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher out of Texas, going to the Raiders across from Max Crosby. He's going to make a definite impact quick. 
I mean, Crosby's basically the Raiders' whole defense. And <laughs> for y'all to not realize that having a second guy that an offense has to actually be worried about coming in on your quarterback is actually going to make just an amazing difference for my team has been struggling for ages. I just don't get it. All right. Well, I, I think he's going to have a solid year, but again, it's defense, man. Like, I, how many times are you like midway through the season and you're like, oh, let me have a list of defensive players we're talking about that are rookies in the NFL. Hell, guys that are really good on defense that are four or five years in the league usually don't make top five lists of like players that we're excited to watch. It's usually quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. And that's why, like, for list's sake, I was shocked that Michelle had uh, a, a cornerback, you know, a linebacker. Uh-huh. and even a running back on this list. That's Usually right. it's quarterbacks and wide receivers in today's NFL. But we wanted to switch it up today, Jeff. Yes. I wanted yes. to get some diversity. And speaking of the Raiders, Ice Cube is going to join us at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Jeff and I are looking forward to speaking with Ice Cube. He's the founder of the Big Three, of course. He's an entertainment icon, a rapper, an actor. A lot to get in uh, to in the sports world and in the entertainment world with Ice Cube. And I want to ask him about his Raiders, Jeff. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I want to ask and, him and I, about the fan base because they've been displaced. Is Raider Nation still as deep as it used to? There's a lot to go into there. I can tell you what. I've had a lot of folks that I've talked to, and I've been like, damn, I got to talk to them. That was awesome in this business. Ice Cube's on my top five list. As we rank them, top five list of excitement level heading into an interview. I know he won't disappoint, and I can't wait. I, I could care less about the Raiders and the Lakers. And the, I just want to talk hip-hop for 30 minutes, okay? He's Jeff Turn. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, should James Harden opt in or out in Philadelphia? Keep it here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.